everyone. Uh, today, I thought we would uh, talk about one of the important aspects of a transaction that doesn't get a lot of attention uh, early in the process, but becomes critical to getting a, a deal done, a sale of a business. Um, I want to welcome everybody. My name is Keith D., President and Founder of Osage Advisors. And uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling a Business. So what are we talking about here? Um, we're talking about retaining key employees and management, not only during the transition period, but post-closing. The buyer is going to look very, very closely at the next level of management below the ownership. And they need to get comfortable that that team is engaged uh, post-closing. Otherwise, it could jeopardize getting a deal done. So we're very fortunate to have with us today a good friend of mine, uh, Joe Gilly. Joel is founder, president of Promise Financial. Uh, good morning, Joel. Morning. How are you? Great. Uh, Promise for uh, our guest today, Promise Financial, uh, works with large corporations, uh, close-shell companies, family businesses, helping them design strategies and compensation plans, uh, not only to retain key employees, uh, but also to reward them and keep them engaged in their businesses. And Joel, this is like your sweet spot. And we're, we really appreciate you being here. And as I said earlier, the importance of management team, not only in running your business day to day, even if you're not selling, but during that transition process and then post-closing is critical to a transaction. So would love to hear a little bit about how Promus works with business owners, because uh, you do a lot of family businesses as well as your big clients, and to help them putting plans in place. Because for most of the time, business owners don't don't have plans, right? What what ends up right. happening is, at the end of the you know at the twelfth hour, is that we come up with some kind of uh, 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 before they go to market a stay bonus because they do have to talk to their key people. Hey, I want to. I'm going to sell the company. I'll, I'll pay you a bonus once we get the deal done. You get paid, and then we move on, right? There's ways of moving about that way before that step that you know right. that people will be engaged when you're ready to go to that, that sales process. And would love to hear from you and how Promos works with their clients. Sure, great. Well, thank you. Uh, great introduction. Um, yeah, so so the, uh, the, the you, you hit the nail on the head that, that the reality is, like anything else, the, the earlier on that you plan, the better. You know, begin with the end in mind, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you run into this all the time, Keith, where you got a business owner that wants out in the next four months. And you say, well, if, if we would have started this a few years ago, um, our, our numbers might be, you know, 150% of what they're going to be today. So, so that really starts with we believe that every uh, organization of significant size ought to have a program in place whereby there's pain if their key people walk out the door because the ownership is going to have pain uh, losing those key people. So that's a bigger picture issue that you you nailed uh, on the head. Uh, when it comes to ownership transition, it's even more important. Uh, our experience is that a lot of owners just out of out of you know ignorance, not in a negative way, think that there are only two ways to accomplish this. One is 
big buckets of cash uh, to retain their key people. And the second is sharing ownership. And the reality is oftentimes, if not most times, that's really not the best solution. Uh, there's a perception that those are the only two tools available to them. And the reality is that uh, a well-designed, what the marketplace calls a non-qualified deferred comp plan or a deferred compensation program, uh, the, 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 market, the, uh, the casual marketplace might call them golden handcuffs, is often a much more effective way of retaining and rewarding, uh, as you said, importantly, uh, your key people. So um, it's really the better way to proceed. Yeah, so it's a good point because, as you said, and I've ran into, I can give you 100 examples over the last 20 years of where, you know, uh, you know the lack of communication uh, at the right time in the process uh, with your key people it could be um, you know, detrimental to the transaction because if the if the right. buyer starts to feel or read into a situation that you know that are these guys going to stay are these women going to stay, um, it will cause a uh, uh, kind of like a a pause, right? They need to get right. well, we need employment agreements with these people. Well, I don't really want to introduce you to these people yet because I'm not sure we have a deal yet. So it's kind of right. like the chicken and the egg is like, when do you introduce certain people in the transaction? So you don't want to be in a position where your employee or your minority owner uh, or a family member, you know, has leverage over you, Right. Right. I mean, because that because that just creates a lot of stress in the business owner's mind, and they, as you said, they typically don't plan for this aspect early on to get these people engaged, knowing that hey, here's my five year plan, I want you to participate in it, and if you're here, 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 and here, there's a nice payday for you, but you need to be there. So, what kind of plans do you guys typically, uh, you know, when you when you meet with an owner? Give me some options. What kind of plans were you? Are you? Would you say would be appropriate for you know, a middle market business, uh, a family-owned company? Uh, maybe it's a single owner. Maybe it's a family. It could be a family business, right? It could be four or five right. members, or two brothers, or two sisters, whatever. But you know, they still rely on that next level. So, right. what kind of examples of plans would you guys work? Yeah, with? that. That, that that's a great that's a great point. You know, in 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 publicly traded corporations, you generally have equity uh, or participation um, shares, SARS, etc., right. uh, to use as methods of long term uh, compensation. In a family held or closely held company, you oftentimes do not. And so, if your last name does not match that of the the family ownership, you're not going to become an owner. Uh, however, oftentimes those those folks can be um, wouldn't say this in front of many family owners, but can be more important than than the the folks with the same last name, uh, CFO, COO, you know that kind of uh, general ma uh, manager, etc. Uh, so so the the program and you you made a great point. You said five years before, during, and after. So that's exactly the the strength of our programs that they they give you the the opportunity of first of all targeting just very specifically to those key employees that are most important to the organization, uh, as opposed to like a four hundred one k plan where everyone gets uh, as required to have equal participation, et cetera. And you can tailor 
uh, things like the vesting schedule when when you when you actually uh, uh, are are uh, in in receipt of or, right. or when when the values are actually yours uh, regardless of the situation so we can create a vesting schedule that aligns with the ownership's retirement slash sale uh, uh, projected schedule to make sure that that the people that may be of similar age to, to, to he or she are going to be in the seats uh, we design programs that just as you said sort of breach uh, over the chasm of the ownership transition. And then for the new owner, which is very important, as you mentioned, um, uh, sort of take off from there so that it's not just about getting to the finish line of the sale, but it's about keeping and retaining and rewarding the key people as the company goes on into hopefully growth and, and a long successful future. Well, that, yeah, that's, you know, and, and having those plans in place, uh, with these key people, uh, you know, it, it incent it reward not only rewards them, but it keeps them engaged, right? So, again, from when we're selling a company, you know, w what's your transition goals and objectives, right? We actually put that right in our in our in our book, our sim, of what the owner's looking to do. I want to work for a couple years and transition out. Uh, find my replacement. I want to work for six months and retire. I want to retire at closing. Uh, I want to roll equity and stay in. All those are good, um, but the buyer wants to drill down. Like, hey, if you're going to leave, who's going to run this place? Do I need to bring right. somebody right. in? If I need to bring somebody in, then how's that going to affect when I recast your profitability? Is it going to, you know, is it going to be the same? Is it going to, is it going to, is it going to am I going to reduce it because I get to bring a, a new management team in? I mean, we have situations like that where we have a, a, a what I say, older ownership, right? That's a, that's a big part of our practice uh, when people looking to retire uh, or do something else. And the, the buyer looks at it and says, okay, you're leaving, uh, your sister's leaving, uh, but you don't have a COO, you don't have a CFO, you're relying on your accounting from whatever, and they'll come back and say, look, we need, we need to invest X amount of money. So even though you're showing 2 million, 5 million, 7 million of EBITDA, you know, we really feel we need to, you know, we're going to have to invest a million dollars in bringing new people into this thing, right? But if you have a strong second line and they're well incentivized, like you're talking about, uh, and you have a plan in place, then you can point to that as an owner say, look, I, I've been planning for this uh, a long time and I have some great people who really, I can't live without who really run the day to day. And I've put plans in place and they are incentivized to stay here today, tomorrow and five years down the road. And here it is. And so all of a sudden you take. Yeah. And, and, yeah and the proof, the proof to that is there are a number of, of valuation assessment tools out there. I'm guessing you probably work with one or more of them or at least have seen them. And one of the elements of value is do you have a specified plan to retain and reward your key managers? And if the answer to that question is yes, that creates uh, a, a increase in valuation or theoretical valuation right. uh, versus the answer being no. Because just as you say, I mean, not every organization, uh, not every transaction has has the desire to, to, to keep management in place. There are transactions where you're the, the, the larger company might be coming in and essentially buying client list or or, uh, or technology or something. But in, in most transactions, there is a necessity to have 
seasoned, proven uh, uh, management that not only understand the business, know where the skeletons are hidden, et cetera. And anytime you have transition like this, there's some risk that people say, well, I don't know. People fear uncertainty and they start looking elsewhere. And, and as, as the new ownership, you don't want that. You want them locked and loaded in their seats. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, a number of transactions we do where we actually have a dual, uh, a, a dual vesting schedule where, where you're rewarded for sort of staying in place over the period of transition. And then the same program kind of then takes over uh, on a go forward basis, perhaps based upon, you know, the key performance indicators of the company or sales growth or whatever it is that is important to ownership, both prior ownership and new ownership in terms of creating a go forward incentive. Yeah. It's interesting because you, know, you brought up just earlier about these valuation assessment tools, right? Um, and that's all about what our podcast is about, the ins and outs of selling a business, is proper planning, all aspects of your business so that you can maximize value, find the right buyer that's the right fit, so you can comfortably transition out um, either today or down the road and feel that it's in the right hands. The buyer has the same value valuation tools. You know, I've been to many seminars over the years where there are firms out there that basically sell their tools, valuation tools, to the strategic buyer or private equity firms that use that as when they're analyzing different trans aspects of the transaction. And if you can line it up, we're, talk we're obviously we're specifically talking about, you know, incentivizing management team uh, during the transition and uh, during the sales process and, and beyond. You kind of take, you kind of, you kind of settle that they get comfortable with it. So they, you know, it's, it's not a, it could be, you know, again, it could be some heated discussions, you know, um, and owners get um, typically right. It's an emotional sale, but when they have to go and talk to a couple of key people that may have worked there for 25, 30, even 40 years, and say, look guys, I'm, I'm making, I mean, you know, I'm 70 years, 60, you got, you got a runway. I don't, I'm, I'm selling out, but, I got the right thing. And they're going to look at you. Look, I've been working you for 25 years. Who, who is this? What's it going to bring to me? All this stuff. Obviously communications are critical during the transition period and during the management team they're, they're comfortable, but they're going to look at say, Hey, I got a great compensation plan here. So I'm, I'm locked in and I feel good about it. Right. You want to take doubt away from the, uh, uh, your key people that, you know, my, our, our company, our ownership has treated us well, me well. And some, a couple of my other peers well. And so I'm more comfortable moving forward without that doubt. We always say, because I've been in, I've been brought into these situations, you know, I've had uh, with key people that I'd never met before. And they don't know, and, 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 and talked about what the opportunity is for them. And it's like, look, it's your decision, but, you know, you should give it at least a year and just see how it all goes. In most cases, people are still there. The companies we sold 10 years ago, 20 years ago, some of the people are still there. They haven't left. They actually are very happy, right? So, right, right. you know, it's kind of like planning at the early stage possible for your key employee. Not just key employees. I'm asking about this one. Is like when you, when you have a hole in your team that you're trying to fill and get ready to sell, like a COO. To utilize a tool, a, a compensation strategy like you guys do, as part of their comp package, 
you're going to attract a much higher level of skill in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely right. And, and not only are you going to be able to attract without having to increase the dollar signs to a, to an area that might be uncomfortable, you know, for example, you might be looking for uh, a, a high level, you know, manager, producer, executive, whatever you want to call the, 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 the phrase, the term and, and the compensation that they're used to in their, uh, in their market is a higher level and would actually disquiet your team because you're going to be paying this, this executive on a, on a percentage basis more than the rest of your team uh, is getting. And, and they're totally unproven. They may have a great reputation, but the fact is they're totally unproven rather than paying a higher level of cash, which, you know, you can't pull that back. Uh, again, we often use a deferred comp plan that's, that, that defers the, the, the reward to the future. And so if you end up with a bad hire, and that can be for your existing ownership or it can be for the new buyer, if you end up with a bad hire, uh, many times our plans don't be investing for five years. So in the event that it, that, that it doesn't work out, you haven't lost the three years, four years of paying the higher level of salary to that participant. And that goes a little bit off script from from the preparing to, to sell, but it's all really the same right. element, you know, that, that you'll, you'll say our people are our greatest asset and our most important resource. But um, uh, so, so that's true, whether you're in, in operation mode and pre-sale mode and in cleanup and, and maximize the thing mode, you know, shine, shine the floors and polish everything. Or if you're the new owner, going forward and uh and so it's it's really a program that 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 spans as as i've already implied sort of spans from whether it's a pre-sale or a situation or not into the sale and beyond into the the ongoing uh new organization going forward and it can be a lot cheaper than than sharing equity you know a lot, again a lot of a lot of companies think, well i gotta i gotta give away 10 percent ownership to the management team to lock them up and get them to stay. You know, if it's a strategic sale and and the new buyer thinks they can really uh, uh, jack the value and, and the performance of the company, that's very expensive compensation. Uh, and it's obviously going to be minority ownership. So you're not, you're not, it's not going to change the, the, the ability to manage. But what we have found is most people at the end of the day, they say they want ownership, and this is from a minority standpoint, what they really want is participation. You know, what they really want is to know their value. So if they move the needle, they want to participate in that value. And what we found is deferred comp is a much cleaner mechanism than giving a 2% ownership or a 5% ownership in the company. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I mean, uh, just kind of to wrap things up here. And Joe, I'd like to have, you know, want to have you back maybe uh, and talk about, some of the strategies you've implemented, but I think the buy the takeaway for, 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 for our audience uh, for me is, and we've talked about this in the past is it's an, it's not a cost to you. It's an investment. You make an investment in your, in your plant and equipment to do uh, be more efficient. You make an investment in your technology to be more productive. You make an investment in your people, right? And using comp strategies to do that um, is going to maximize the value at the back end. Like you said, Equity is expensive, and giving that away is going to cost you a lot of money. But if you make an investment in your people up front, you're going to get you can get you'll get that back five six times, 
you know, uh, down the road when you sell your company. So, right. um, which is critical. So, so Joel, this has been great. Like I just said, love to have you come back, maybe give a couple examples of strategies you implemented for our audience. Um, if, th if that's okay with you. Um, Absolutely. Great. So, well, thank you everybody. Um, I hope you found benefit from uh, today's podcast. Again, my name is Keith D. I'm president and founder of Osage Advisors. Osage Advisors is a boutique investment bank working with closely held and family businesses looking to sell. Our typical clients are revenues of $5 million and up. Uh, to learn more about us, you can visit our website at osageadvisors.com or give me a call at 860-767-3273 extension 1001 or feel free to shoot me an email at kdee at osageadvisors.com. Thanks again for being here and have a great day.